listening to Nerdy Talk with Dan, the most popular podcast in Raleigh, North Carolina, that covers movies, video games, TV shows, and more. Prepare yourself for an hour or two of conversations of epic proportions. So sit back, relax, and enjoy with your amazing host, Daniel X. Thompson. Hey everybody, welcome to Nerdy Talk with Dan. Uh, This is a special episode because I am here today with the founder and CEO of Scenix and their new product venue, uh, Gian Atkin. How you doing today? Hey Dan, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah, man, me too, me too. So for those of you who don't know about venue, this is a really cool device that will pretty much okay let's 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 take it back let's take it back to march march of this year you know film movies were a cool thing you know going to the movies with your family having fun and then a virus comes that says hey we have to socially distance we can't go to the movies anymore and then all the big blockbusters that everyone was looking forward to just kind of move their release dates further and further back and uh it was a hard time (laughs) <laughs> and so with this product uh john could you talk a little bit about about it sure so we actually started developing this uh way before the pandemic mm-hmm. it was not something that we were like oh let's take advantage of the pandemic and come up with a product that that you know uh fits this current situation um it just so happens that the pandemic kind of uh, uh, pushed our cause faster, um, but we were planning on, you know, we've been building this for over five years. Um, initially, the idea started from a frustrated evening when I was uh, playing with Netflix and trying to find something to watch. Well, back, you know, a couple of years ago, Netflix wasn't what it is today. It didn't have as many uh, originals that it, it does today. Um, it literally was all catalog content. And so I was frustrated. I was like, why am I spending money uh, and time on I'm trying to find something to watch where I've already seen most of these movies. Right. And it was simple. It was like convenience, right? Like nobody wanted to go out and drive and find a movie. Like it was easy. Just sit there, click away and you could find it. You can binge. Um, but ultimately I'm a movie fan. I'm, I'm a movie buff. I'm an entertainment buff. I love the art of storytelling, whether it's movies, whether it's plays, musicals, whether it's um, concerts, like they're, they're all telling a story, right? So in my mind, I was like, why can't we watch brand new movies that are playing theaters in the comfort of our home? Like there's Xbox Connect, there's PlayStation Move. These people are playing games and like tracking your limbs and stuff. There has to be a way where like you can replicate that theatrical model, which is per person ticketing in the home. So I kind of wrote it down on a piece of paper, slept on it, woke up. And I, and I was like, just, I had like a light bulb moment. I was like, well, I'm going to pursue this. Um, but at the time, I was totally an outsider to the industry and I was working in a totally different uh, sector, which was infrastructure (laughs) and energy. So I was, you know, for like two years, two and a half years, I essentially slowly learned the, um, you know, you know, industry uh, um, kind of landscape and, and the bureaucracy and the, um, and all the things that are involved in that, in that entertainment industry. And as I, as I was learning, I also submitted the IP, uh, for potentially, you know, patenting, patenting the idea. Um, again, I had no idea that it would even get issued. It was just all a risk. I was just taking these big risks, spending all the money that I had saved up. Um, 
and, and trying to, you know, make something happen. So at the same time, you know, um, as I developed this, I was also hounding the major studios. I was literally calling them every day. Uh, it went from calling to emails to actually calling email and sending actual mail in the mail, like packages that would get their attention to you know, address the executives. So I did this for like three months, like nonstop. I was like, that's it. And the, and the more like I couldn't reach him, the more I got motivated to keep going. Like I was like, that's it. I'm going to keep bugging you guys until somebody does something, right? <laughs> <laughs> so eventually Peter Levinson from Universal calls me. I get a call. I'm in Maryland. I don't know anybody in California. I get a call from a California number. It's like 8 p.m. I'm like, I, told, I turn to my family. I'm like, yo, everybody, shh. This is this may be important. I pick up and it's Peter Levinson. He's like, um, he in a very nice, you know, PC way. He what he really was asking was like, are you the crazy dude that keeps bugging us? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's me. You know, I'm I'm trying to you know figure out a way to come and show you this thing I've got. I've developed. I've got this idea. So I kind of gave him an elevator pitch, maybe thirty seconds. And I don't know if he even listened, but but he was like. Uh, um, just to shut you up, just come out here and show us what you've got. Cause then you can get out of our hair. Right. He was like, you guys you can just shut up and leave. So I was like, okay, cool. So I took that as an advantage to just reach out to all the other studios and say, Hey, we're coming in to meet with uh, universal and show them, you know, this product we've developed, um, while we're there, we'd love to come visit you as well. So then I booked a meeting with every single studio wow. on, for that week. And that just showed me the, the mentality of Hollywood. It was like, if one, if one's in, then they all want to come in. Nobody wants to be last. Nobody's. Like nobody really wants to be first, but nobody wants to be last for sure. So like this whole mindset of like, you know, if you get one, then you get them all was actually true. Like it happened. I lived, I lived it. Um, and I started going to these meetings and we started presenting them. And all I had to see was essentially the light in their eyes. They were, once we pitched the idea, they were like, wow, this is really cool. You know, everyone comes through with you know, a streaming service idea. What you guys are presenting or what you guys have proposed is totally like left field, but it's really cool. But at that time, their biggest concern was twofold. It was like, how do we get the movie theaters to fall in line with this? Because they're going to scream bloody murder. All right. Yeah, right. Um, and then how do we get you guys into enough homes where it makes sense, where it's meaningful? <laughs> um, and so those two problems were we had to solve them. Otherwise, like this is a, this is a non-starter. So with the studios, we developed um, a way that you could cut the exhibitors in. So if the exhibitor was actually playing the movie as well, and you and I watched it from home on venue, um, there was a way for the studio getting that, all that data to be able to track it and say, these two consumers live closest to this theater who's also playing the movie, let's cut them in. Oh. And we can actually um, cut, cut them in. We don't, we don't get involved in the business model of like how much they cut them in or whatnot but we just give them all the data and the data points needed to cut them in. Um, there's also a way for like, if you're a member of venue, when you're signing up through the sign up process, you actually ask you to put down like the theater that you're loyal to. We pull it up according to your address zip code and we just pull up all the theaters in your area and say, which one are you loyal to? And we make you pick which one you're loyal to. And then if you have a loyalty program with them, we actually, you can actually sync it to it. So the idea is when we're big enough, all the movies you watch on venue, you can earn points to go back and redeem prizes and gifts and other things at the theater. So it creates this really cool ecosystem because ultimately we are a digital exhibitor. We're not, we're not in any way trying to cannibalize or destroy the theatrical business. We, we understand that you know, it might cannibalize a little bit of theaters, but ultimately what we wanna do is expand the audience and, and increase the 
or the frequency that people are watching new content. If I don't have to get up and leave and go find a showtime or go to a theater to watch new content, ultimately I'm going to watch more of it. Because if I can just sit on my couch and click, click and just pick the latest content, instead of maybe watching one movie every two weeks, I may watch a movie a week. I may watch two movies a week because it's right there in the comfort of my, in, you know, in my hand. I can put my kids to sleep. I, you know, I'm not sleepy. It's like midnight, but I don't, you know, I don't feel like I need to sleep. I'm not, you know, I'm up and I want to sit down and watch a movie. Right. There's nothing that kind of tailors or, or, or um, feeds that need of instant demand when it comes to the theatrical or the most premium window. And that's what we wanted to solve. So as we started developing this, um, you know, once we went with the studios and as a startup, we got the right, you know, we got the right message from them and we knew this was going to be a huge challenge. Like, the chances of this succeeding was, and probably still is, um, it's higher now, but in the beginning, it was like less than 50-50 because um, the ability for us, no name, you know, startup to come into the industry, uh, a, a very calcified and, 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 you know, entrenched industry and kind of like shake it up and, and, and introduce it to the new world or to the future was like, yeah, right, guys, good luck, right? <laughs> like it was one of those, it was one of those things. Um, but like, Who's to say it can't be done, right? All the critics and experts that tell you certain things, they base it off of their, you know, failures or losses, which maybe they tried 30 years ago. Things don't change. You know what I mean? We're not, this ain't 1970s anymore or 60s or 80s. We're in a whole new world. Um, and and uh, I think that's one of the biggest advantages we have. The fact that internet is so, you know, uh, fast. Um, now with 5G rolling out, it's going to be even, you know, ridiculously faster. You have really good TVs and sound systems that are going into the homes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so like all that, like timing is perfect for this technology to roll out. And it's not just about movies. That's what we ended up figuring out. It was like, wow. So if we can actually detect people and sell tickets per person and like maintain that privacy and, and, and maintain the value of this content, we can do this for concerts and musicals and operas and, and fashion shows meet and greets, you know, uh, training, like train with LeBron James, if you want to, like a one-on-one, -on -one, oh, um, wow. you know, like meet and greets and all types of things like that would require a per person ticket. And in a way that maintains the value of that piece of content. Um, so like if you are watching Wonder Woman 1984 and you're paying per person to do it, even though you're doing it from home, there's still a, you're still maintaining this level of, uh, of value for that window and for the content. Now, if you take a 1984, a $200 million or $150 million blockbuster production and you throw it into the mix with, you know, uh, uh, Netflix's, you know, uh, um, you know, millions of titles or whatever they got, like this catalog, or you throw it onto even HBO Max or Disney Plus, which is, I get what they're doing. They're, they're following uh, a Netflix's lead and they're creating um, an online streaming service to take replace their tv programming because once 5g rolls out and once once the internet's so fast you're probably not going to have cable tv through coax cable right. you're going to have an app that you're going to launch and it's going to give you everything your, your you know your tv uh set-top box does you're going to have the you know tv programming all that stuff's going to be just over the internet so all these guys are you know putting um the traditional linear tv thing to the side and just creating their own apps to be able to push their catalog stuff but even hbo max and disney plus and peacock they're not in a position to put a theatrical movie on there on day and date release. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense because again, you can't monetize it on a per person basis. You're cannibalizing your exhibition business. 
which is a $40 billion annual business that you don't want to lose. Um, and it also sets the value and dictates how well your product does down the pipe. If you have a really good theatrical run, then the consumers are that much more interested or inclined to go to your catalog streaming service to watch it. You know what I mean? Right. So, so what we've realized is there is a flaw and right, right when the pandemic happened, we're unfortunately, we're not ready to go to market just yet. We're, we're getting ready. We're looking at, you know, spring 2021 as the launch date. Um, but because we weren't ready, the studios, which kind of was a good thing, they tried Pivot. They were like, we're going to do Pivot. Right. Which was like, okay, great. It's $20. And on, uh, you know, Disney's, uh, it was 30, bu- 30 bucks for Mulan. But it looks like they didn't do that well. I mean, I get it. People are stuck at home. And even during a pandemic when everybody was literally stuck at home, you released this movie for 20, 30 bucks, whatever it was, and brand new movie and the turnout still wasn't the same. And that's interesting that you said that too, because I think, you know, the PVOD format, like it's cool, except, you know, like the piracy aspect of it, right? You know, of someone being able to to buy it and then, you know, rip it and then it's instantly online the next day. Whereas your product, I think, has the capability of like, you know, watermarking, uh, you know, whatever the content is, the technology to kind of protect the content. Is that correct? No, that's totally correct. And you actually touched a very good point. So as you saw, uh, torrents or, 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 you know, pirating content went extremely, you know, up during the pandemic because as they released these movies into uh, PVOD, um, like you said, Mulan was available on Torrent the same day it released on Disney+. Plus. Yep. Um, so I know the studios don't like talking about this, but this is a very, you know, serious reality. The consumers are not getting old, younger, they're getting older. Um, and this new generation of consumers coming in are very tech savvy. Yeah. Like it is very easy for them to find a Torrent site or they don't even download the torrent anymore. They just go to these sites where they just stream it right on the site. Yeah. So they're not even risking like downloading potential hazardous software or tracking software. They're literally just going to the site that's hosted in China somewhere or a server <laughs> overseas. <laughs> and you're just streaming it right to your phone or whatnot. Um, and so what we saw was all the movies that hit PVOD were available almost same day in torrent, but movies that didn't hit PVOD and went the traditional theatrical route, like uh, Unhinged, for example, by um, Russell Crowe, um, Crow, right. it just hit Torrent. Man. Because the fact that there was no way to get a Torrent unless you went to the theater and actually, you know, copied the cam version. <laughs> Come on, man. Nobody watches the cam version anymore. That was like back like 30 years ago. It used to be like, yes, I found the cam version right. and watched it. Today, if you're downloading or if you're watching the torrent cam version, you're nuts. You're you're wild. <laughs> like you should. Like what are you doing? Um, yeah, it's practically a Blu-ray rip at this point, right? HD rip, you know, of the. Oh, yeah. You're getting the perfect crystallized version of the the content, which is 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 kind of that's kind of scary. Like if you're a filmmaker or a studio, you know, I have to assume that they're just like, you know, how do we block this from happening right and so and the best way to really protect it is a theatrical window when when it's in theaters the only way to really rip it is a cam version cam versions are not that demanded like nobody wants to watch a cam version so it's the really the best way to protect it and our and our technology replicates that you know carbon copies that just like the theaters actually we have more security than the theaters because we actually have the watermark and it's session based so 
It's not like one generic watermark. If you and I bought tickets to a session to watch something from my house, that specific session ID is is tracked to you and my ticket purchase. Right. So if we, if if you or I uh, bootleg this content and put it online, um, venue will be able to track it, or CNX will be able to track it right to each ticket holder, and then we give that information to the studio to do what they want with it. So like you know, so at that point, like what we think is when we're when we're up and big enough when we get into you know critical mass in the market no one's going to want to pirate like why would you if you have the access to up to 4k quality in the comfort of your home same day and date releases why would you even try to pirate it like you could i get it some people are going to be like cheap and try to still pirate it but they're gonna have to wait you know 15 20 30 days until a good quality comes out because <laughs> you know it's the theatrical window right so that's how we um envision that and you know, ho- you know, hopefully we'll eradicate piracy in a way because I ultimately believe, like with music, once music became readily accessible and easily available, nobody's pirating music, you know? You yeah. just go on Spotify or whatever and listen to what you want. And if you do want to buy the album, you can really buy it. But I mean, I haven't bought an album in like 10 years. <laughs> I, I might buy a song or two, but I haven't bought an album, you know what right. I mean? So, um, yeah, man, I think the ultimate way to eradicate piracy, which is a multi-billion dollar uh, problem for the industry, and it's only going to get worse if PVOD is, you know, something that they roll out with day and date. Um, they need to find a solution. And I think we've got a good solution for it. We have a natural solution for it, which is like, you know, once we're big enough and it's in enough homes, then we provide a very convenient way for the consumer to access the content versus try to torrent it. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's that. And I think ultimately what we want to really do is expand the audience for all this ticketed entertainment. Like right now, even when theaters open back up, even when, um, you know, concerts, uh, arenas, whatever, open back up, you're talking about very limited capacities. Um, you're talking about consumers who, who may not want to, you know, jump in line and get the first batch of vaccines because like that could be a risk in itself. So you have these consumer subsets or these segments that one, don't want to run back into the theater or to the concert hall because it's just, you know, it's a threat to their health or their loved ones. Two, some people are not just like ready to jump and get a vaccine. So that's going to also slow things. Cause if I don't, if I'm not going to get a vaccine, I'm probably not going to go out into right. a concert. Right. So like it all kind of ties together. So the studios are obviously trying to figure things out. They're uh, pushing their, you know, big content over to next year. And that's another question, right? If Peabot is so successful, then why not put, um, you know, a, uh, uh, your F9 and your James Bond on, on PVOD, I sure as hell would pay $20 to watch James Bond right now. Oh yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> yeah. But the thing is they, I think they see the writing on the wall and they also realize that like the numbers that you rake in from PVOD and the splits and stuff, because you know, they're not taking hundred percent of that, you know, PVOD uh, $20 sale. Mm-hmm. They don't equate the same numbers that you make on a, you know, weekend theatrical run on a big movie like James Bond. Right. You know? that's why the industry I think can't just get rid of the exhibition business and I think there's something really important about like having billboards and this movie releasing like it creates buzz it creates this huge demand for the consumer if you're just making a movie and throwing it onto streaming it's there's nothing special about that like there's nothing really like exciting about it and and there's no urgency if it's on HBO Max or Peacock or Disney Plus or Netflix like I can watch it anytime there's no urgency for me to like go out and catch it there's no social media buzz about, hey, check out this new thing coming out. Everyone's talking about it. None of that. It's, right. it's on Netflix. Go catch it whenever you catch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
Like there's nothing special about it. So I think what the theatrical window or what that live window does, it maintains the, the special, you know, like sizzle or the, or the, um, the appeal to the, to the content. Yeah. And with the, like, you want to be a part of something new, right? Right. And with the, like the event aspect of it, or like with the a user, you know, say like it's a big family film, you know, and people want to use that, uh, a device to watch, you know, the next Trolls movie, you know, or something like that. And uh, like, would the ticketing pricing be like up to the studio or would it be like, you know, like kind of like the same pricing around a like movie theater ticket where like each individual pays like, you know, nine bucks a person. Not saying that that would be the price, but sure. would it be lower so than you? In, in our model, the studio, the content owner controls the ticket price so they can set the ticket price. Um, I assume the ticket prices will be very similar to that local market. So like if you're in Biloxi, Mississippi, then your ticket prices on the venue player will be uh, same as going to the theater versus like if you're in New York, Manhattan, ticket mm -hmm. prices will probably be very similar to like if you went to a theater in Manhattan. Right. Um, but like with, with our system, you can pause. So if you have to go to the restroom or if the kids need some you know, food or drinks or whatever, you can pause and, and not miss anything. Um, you could even come back and watch it at a later date as long as, you know, the movie's on the platform, you've got a ticket for it. Um, you know, you can always come back to it and resume from where we left off. So we, we provide all these benefits that you can't really get at a theater. You can't like be like, Hey, I got to use the bathroom, pause it, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> really work. Um, so that's that convenience that, you know, other things that we can do that, that really bring a, uh, a more personalized experience to the consumer you know right and i think a lot of uh i think a lot of people that are you know uh anxious to jump onto this also have like a few reservations like with uh you know technology that they think monitors them or whatever even though like it's it's, it's a safeguard right so it's just like like i feel like you know there's somebody that's probably going to listen to this that's, that's like oh like i don't like that they're like looking at me while I'm watching the thing, but like the, the technology probably isn't that, right? No, so the tech is very simple. It's actually just doing facial uh, detection, not recognition. So we don't actually, you know, save data points of your facial features to your profile. So in that sense, we're super, um, you know, sensitive to your privacy mm -hmm. um, because we don't know it's you. We just know it's a, you know, male between the ages of. It's just all probability-based using machine vision and AI. Nice. Now, what's also really cool is our device um, is not always on and just detecting people in the room. It's only active when you're watching a ticketed content. So when you're, or when you're using like Zoom or um, Google Meet to do a video conferencing through our device, through the player, then it's obviously, if you allow it, using the camera. Wow. That's <laughs> but other than that, you're not using, it's not like on 24-7, like Alexa listening and, or, or, or recording the room. Um, However, when you do buy ticketed entertainment from the venue app, uh, uh, then yeah, it activates and makes sure that, you know, the number of tickets matches the number of people. That's the whole point of the technology. Right. Um, but other than that, it's not on. And when it's not on, there's also going to be a mechanical shutter that goes in front of the camera, which is not currently in the pictures of the design, but we're working on that. It'll be automated. So when the device is active, the shutter will just kind of open. Oh, it's a physical external shutter that'll open that you'll so you can see it. And then when it's closed, it'll close and it'll actually be like a color code on it. So when it's closed, you see that it's closed. Even if you're like 20 feet away, you can see that it's closed. So again, we're doing everything we can for those consumers that are going to be like on the fence. 
ultimately you can always unplug it or take it off from the top of the TV and throw it in the drawer. Right. <laughs> if you're really that adamant about it. Right. But if you think about what the world we live in with Alexa and portal, Facebook and mirror and Peloton and like your house already with the ring cameras, if your house, if you're already like a techie person and you're into, you know, new tech and stuff, your probably your house probably already has like 10 different cameras and 12 <laughs> different sensors in it already. So like, you know, when you say, oh, this camera is detecting me when I'm watching ticketed content. Well, I mean, come on, like <laughs> Alexa is listening to you 24 seven and portal TV is watching you as you, as you do whatever you do. So yeah. like, you know, let's just put things in perspective. If we're able to bring to you the latest in entertainment, maybe um, for the duration of that content that you're watching, giving up a little bit of quote unquote privacy. So the system can figure out if it's really five people in the room or one person in the room, it is what it is. You're going to have to give a little bit to get all that value. But I think ultimately like the consumers will understand. Right. And with, uh, you know, also with this product, I've, I've, it was really cool to kind of read that, like, uh, you know, maybe like content creators could potentially create something for this platform as well. Right. Like, absolutely. That's what we are. We're a marketplace. So we don't just talk to the major studios, although the major studios are, you know, what everybody knows there is a world of content out there that is great absolutely beautiful content there's amazing stories being told there are directors and and producers from all walks of life that are coming up with amazing stories and they get essentially uh drowned out because of the tent poles in the theatrical business mm -hmm. and that's because there's not enough shelf space so there's just very limited shelf space and the big boys take advantage because they've got the bigger money and the bigger you know deeper pockets and the tent poles so you know, they take all the space and then um, the smaller guys have to either uh, get drowned out or they have to floor wall or fight for a little bit of exposure. Yeah. And I think that also is another reason why venue um, levels the playing field. There is no shelf space. There's unlimited shelf space on venue. There's no hours of operation or limited seating. So you can actually have your major studios and your independent and your foreign studios on the same level, on the same playing field. If your content's you know, if you believe your content is a theatrical run content, because obviously some movies are not meant to be played in theaters, right? Like, right. they're like, you know, B and C movies that go direct to streaming. That's what they're made for. Mm -hmm. But if you've made something that's, you know, worthy of the theatrical run, we want you to put it on our system. And when we sell tickets, you get the lion's share. Like content owners are getting 95 to 100% of the set ticket price. Wow. So if the ticket price is 10 bucks, they're getting, you know, 950 to $10 what we do is we charge a 17 cent, just like Fandango or Adam tickets. Mm -hmm. We charge a small fee right on top of it. So your $10 ticket becomes 1170, right? We keep that 11, we keep that dollar 70 for all the services and the security and the operating and all that stuff And the studio keeps what, you know, the rest. So not only are we giving studios a, a, a very generous cut, the whole freaking thing, <laughs> a very, very generous cut of the ticket, which currently they doesn't exist in their model. I mean, they're not making that. Um, and on top of that, the analytics they're able to get, like how the audience reacted to their content. Um, although we don't, like I said, we don't do facial recognition and tie data points to the faces, but we know there's three men, two females between the ages of X, Y, Z. Right. And we can tell if they, you know, watch the content, two of them got up and left. Um, did they hate the content? Did they turn it off 10 minutes in? Um, we can give the, the studios really granular data about their audience so they can make better content so right. they can make content that is um you know 
a lot more effective and engages the consumers a lot better. So I think ultimately what we're doing is just upgrading the industry to the future. And it's yeah. really funny I say that because the movie industry, like the movies, when you watch movies, you get to see so much cool tech. Like they brought us Star Wars, they brought us Star Trek, they brought us all these awesome, <laughs> you know, new techs. Yet they themselves are like the latest, the last to like adopt technology and shift. And yeah. It's so funny to see that, you know. Yeah, I I really like everything that you said is so uh like about this product is so well thought out that it's like, you know, like I'm sure there was like a lot of trial and error moments of like, oh well, tsh, like obviously we, we we need to implement this right like um yeah. just like 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 on the back end of just like creating that product with you know uh, your, your your team like like were there certain points where you just like hit like a block like like where it was just like a wall like oh how do we solve this problem you know like no <laughs> thank god no we didn't hit any walls or any blocks um, because ultimately what we're doing is really not rocket science. Right. You know, we have, we're just counting number of people in a room and we have about an hour and a half to two hours to do it. So <laughs> it's not like we're an autonomous car that needs to detect everything in a split second, or there's going to be a catastrophic accident. Like what we're doing is very simple. Um, the idea of it is what's really cool and unique. Um, yeah. you know, you know, detecting people has been around for I think over 10 years, like it's maybe 20. So like people detection are, um, you know, is, has been around for a long time. Streaming has been around for a long time. So consumers are already, you know, educated on streaming. Yeah. What we wanted to do was we already, we didn't really invent any special tech for this. What we did was we t went out and we looked at all the existing technologies. How can we kind of put them together in a seamless way to make this happen? How can we keep it low cost? So it's not like a $45,000 device that only the rich and famous can get. What we wanted to do was bring that uh, experience of the 1% to the masses. Because if you're a LeBron James or a Taylor Swift, you have a home theater. You're getting all the concerts and movies come to your home. You're experiencing them in the comfort of your home. Yep. It's no different from my, okay, yes, I don't have a home theater, but I have a 60 inch TV and a, you know, mediocre surround sound. And <laughs> I want to watch on my couch and I want to enjoy the movies. So we're ultimately bringing that experience of the one percenters to the whole masses. And um, one of the, one of the things that we, did was uh initially it was just a little small device that only had venue on and we were like man we're gonna ask consumers to buy a small device another device and it's just gonna have our app on it and great like if you know if we can pull together the content we're planning to pull people will still love it but i was like yeah but that's not fair like we're asking consumers to buy another device and all it does is venue right so we went back to the drawing board and we were like how can we make this like a roku competitor or like an apple tv or like a um, amazon fire tv competitor because ultimately we don't want people to be fragmented like already the market is way too fragmented you have to jump from like three different devices to device you have to go from like service to service to watch different stuff like it's very fragmented it's very confusing to the consumer yeah so how can we make it a little bit simpler so we said well shoot let's just make it an, a, a full-on media player let's preload it with like all the popular apps and then obviously with our app as well so then when the consumers get this device or the player right um even if our content lineup isn't extremely like super fantastic in the beginning because you know let's be realistic we're a startup and although we have great content already like you know lined up and and committed we don't have the major studios and right. we're working to get them but if we can't get them in the very beginning 
we didn't want the consumers or our, or, or our consumers to say, oh, screw these guys. These guys don't have anything, right? We wanted to come out with a product that not only had some lineup of good ticketed entertainment, but we also wanted you to seamlessly go to your Netflix and your HBO Max and your Hulu and whatever, and at the same time play games through uh, Stadia, at the same time do Zoom calls right from the device. So, you know, at the same time do your, you know, uh, sports and news and everything. So it's one device for essentially all windows of entertainment. And so when you get our device, you can literally throw your Roku out the window and your Apple TV out the window because it does everything that those, those guys do and more. Wow. So you're not gonna really need those devices. Wow. We'll have you covered. Yeah, you say, I mean, you say you could play games on it as well. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That is a cool little extra nugget there, you know? <laughs> so not only can you play games, like I've connected my Stadia controller to it and played some like Red, Red Dead Redemption, like serious games. And I'm not talking about like playing Tetris on your phone or your TV. I'm talking about like real, real games. And then I connected Bluetooth headphones to it. And I was playing games on my TV with the TV, like the, the speakers were silent. My kids were sleeping. I had the Bluetooth headphones connected to the device and I was playing games. So our device is very uh, flexible and uh, you know, you can connect Bluetooth headsets to it. Um, you could, you can play the video games. You can do Spotify right from it, like your music, favorite music. So it turns your TV into the ultimate entertainment hub. Wow. I mean, you're, you're really, you're really selling this man. Like I really want, like, I can't wait to get my hands on this, uh, product because it just sounds amazing and I, i'm sure like all of like anybody that's listening right now that is just passionate about uh you know movies uh video games you know sports all of that stuff and even you know comedians right like like totally. you, like you just like pretty much solve the problem with like this like because you know with stand-up comedy you know there's like uh, you know, people that, you know, might try to record a little bit of your bit. And then it's like, oh, well, there's a penalty for that. No phones, you know, but with this, it's like, you're the audience, you, you're a part of the audience. You can't pirate it. You're protecting the, the comedian's work, you know, and all that stuff. Not that, that that's the whole thing, but it's, that's a really cool element. And it just seems so symbiotic and not, uh, not like, and it's not, not taking advantage of anything in a bad way. It's, 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 it's all working together. And that's, that's really cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you're able to see that, Dan. And it's, we've worked really hard to, 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 to make sure that the consumers and the, and the industry folks can understand that not only are we not in any way trying to take advantage, but we're just trying to bring value and expand this industry and upgrade it to the future and make sure that the art of storytelling doesn't die out because it is one of the most powerful things. Like, stories is what really like it, it it's the fabric of our society it's it's what our lives are based on these stories that we that we've grew up with and are being still told now you know change our mood change our personalities change our mindsets you know you it's so powerful like the art of storytelling is so powerful yes. and we want to be able to expand it and and create something on a global level that can connect these stories directly to the consumer a lot of times these studios see the theaters as their business, as their consumer. The theaters are not your consumer. They're your distribution house. The person watching the movie is your consumer. That's who you want to get connected to. And it's sad because a lot of movies, you don't even know which studio made it unless it's like an Avengers, right? Obviously, like right. unless it's like one of those big name brands, you don't even know which studio made it because the mentality is, is their, the, the exhibition is their business or their, their consumer. No, right. 
So like with our product, you have a direct relationship you're building with your consumer, whether you're an artist or a comedian or a movie studio. So there's a lot of benefits to this. And um, I, I love how you said com comedians. I always tell our team like, hey, we're going to have Kevin Hart do a comedy skit like right out of his backyard and mm -hmm. stream it to millions of people. And he could do that. And I'm sure he would do that if this, you know, once we're up and uh, up and, uh, uh, you know, active. Yeah. So it's, it's just really cool that we're able to uh, create this and um, ultimately maintain the value for consumers and for the content creators. Because look, if you can't take care of the content creators and they're losing um, they're not making, you know, uh, a living, then how are they going to keep continue to make content or music or entertainment for you? Right. Right. Like if, if you can't take care of the artist, how do you expect them to perform or provide anything new? Yeah. It's like an athlete. If you can't take care of your athlete, how are you going to expect him to get back in the ring or get back on the court? So <laughs> same idea, man. So we want to take care of the industry. We want to make sure that we can elevate the industry and, and, and grow the industry. And at the same time, make sure that, um, they're direct with their consumers and can bring the most value they can to the consumer. Yeah, man, that's, that's, I mean, that whole, that whole speech right there is like that. That's what's what really, I think encapsulated this whole conversation is it's like the art, the love of the love of storytelling, filmmaking and the communal experience almost. Cause it, there is like that element too of it. It, it, it feels more personal and yeah. that is really, really cool. Um, totally. Uh, I know that you guys have an Indiegogo launching on the yes. like 27th, right? 28th. 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 Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Is there like some cool perks, you know? Well, yeah, we've got some really cool perks. So we've got some perks that are actually bundled with some um, um, air mouse and some Bluetooth headsets. We've got some perks that are bundled with some cool candy and popcorn for your, for your, uh, you know, uh, uh, sugar fix <laughs> when you're watching the content. Um, we are, you know, launching the Indiegogo on the 28th. It is essentially a limited run of devices. This is our way of getting the pilot out into the market. Um, so we're very excited. We want to, we're only going to be probably limiting the, the sale to about four to 500 units. Um, we're actually losing money on this. It's not like we're making money. The whole point was to get the product out in the hands of consumers. So we can do like a, a group test, do a pilot with about four or 500 people, get their feedback, flush out the system. Um, make sure that, um, you know, everything is polished and ready to go for the spring of 2021. Oh, man. Oh, I can't wait. You tw yeah, the 20 28th. Marking that down. Jotting that down. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate the support. And for everyone listening, um, you know, we, we really appreciate your support. You don't have to go and purchase a perk. Even if you just hit back it and put a dollar in, it, it shows tremendous support as a backer. So if you guys are interested in what we're doing and want to see this, you know, uh, come to life, uh, would really appreciate the support. So thank you all in advance. Well, thank you again, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see when this is a big thing. You know, maybe we can do another one and just talk about how how awesome it is to to be dominating the <laughs> the internet yeah, for sure. And <laughs> and stay in touch. So when we're actually going live in uh, in the spring, we're gonna have an event like a launch event party. I'm happy to invite you to it. So just stay connected. We'll send you send it send you out an invite um and uh yeah let's stay in touch love to give you an update on how things are going in a couple months looking forward to it well that's the end of this episode i hope uh you guys enjoyed this look into the future and uh until next time peace